Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 428. I took the long way back to my rooms, trying to get a better feel for the layout of the mayor's estate. I already had my escape route half-planned, but Codicus's suspicion encouraged me to put the finishing touches on it. If the Flits didn't start dying tomorrow, it would probably be in my best interest to disappear from Severin as quickly and quietly as possible. Late that night, when I was reasonably sure the mayor wouldn't call on me, I slipped out of the window of my room and made a thorough exploration of the gardens. There were no guards this late at night, but I did have to avoid a half-dozen couples taking moonlight strolls. There were two others sitting in close romantic conversation, one in a bower, the other in a gazebo. The last couple I nearly trod on while cutting through a hedgerow. They were neither strolling nor conversing in any conventional sense, but their activities were romantic. They didn't notice me. Eventually, I found my way onto the roof. From there, I could see the grounds surrounding the estate. The western edge was out of the question, of course, as it was pressed up against the edge of the shear, but I knew there had to be other opportunities for escape. While exploring the southern end of the estate, I saw lights burning brightly in one of the towers. They had the distinctive red tint of sympathy lamps. Codicus was still awake. I made my way over and risked a look inside, peering down into the tower. Codicus was not simply working late, he was talking to someone. I craned my neck, but I couldn't see who he was speaking to. What's more, the window was leaded shut, and I couldn't hear anything. I was about to move to a different window when Codicus stood and began to walk to the door. The other person came into view, and even from this steep angle, I could recognize the portly, unassuming figure of Stapes. Stapes was clearly worked up about something. He made an emphatic gesture with one hand, his face deathly serious. Codicus nodded several times in agreement before opening the door to let the manservant out. I noted Stapes wasn't carrying anything when he left. He hadn't stopped by for medicine. He hadn't stopped by to borrow a book. Stapes had stopped by in the middle of the night to have a private conversation with the man who was trying to kill the mayor. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. I think this page is made to make us believe that Stapes is trying to get the mayor killed via uh, via Codicus, when in fact it is not the case. But I think that's that that is what Rothfuss is trying to do. Yeah, totally. I think we're we're meant to draw the same conclusion as Quoth, which is that they're in cahoots. Sounds good. I think we discussed this on a previous page, but it's. More likely to me that Stapes is going to Codicus because Stapes trusts Codicus and he's trying to get advice for how best to chase away Quoth. And this is what made Codicus suspicious of uh, Quoth in the first place is that Stapes came to him saying, I think Quoth is poisoning the mare. And Codicus went, Oh, poison, you say? Go. Oh, yeah, that Quoth um, kid, he must be doing it. He's a real piece of shit. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield would have been a great Codicus. <laughs> oh, 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 I don't get no respect. No respect from the mayor <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm an arcanist here. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting set of assumptions that we can, that are infused with dramatic irony here because Quoth is assuming the worst of Stapes right away. He's like sneaking around in the dark. He's spying on Codicus and he jumps to the conclusion that Stapes is helping Codicus to poison the mayor. And Stapes has jumped to the conclusion that Quoth is poisoning the mayor and that Codicus can help him. And I think that, you know, the the actual, you know, the only one who's actually doing evil is probably Codicus himself. And 
both Quoth and Stapes are kind of in their own way helping to muddy the waters and helping Codicus to like be able to frame a patsy, right? Like Stapes especially in coming to Codicus with his suspicions, he's actually just buying Codicus time to be like, okay, I can buy myself a bit of time by framing Quoth for this, you know, this poisoning that I'm doing. In retrospect, it would have been better to bring Stapes into the fray initially, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, I think Quoth probably suspected Stapes at some point. And I also sort of, this this makes me think that both Quoth and Stapes are sort of responding to tropes of fiction because Quoth is, I think, initially suspicious of Codicus, both for, you know, reasons, but also because to me anyway, the like trope of the evil vizier in the tower who's whispering poison in the ear of the king while secretly slipping him literal poison is kind of, on Quoth's mind. And similarly, the trope of the apparently faithful manservant uh, conspiring with the vizier is uh, is on Quoth's mind. And I think that it's likely that to Stapes, maybe the trope of dead nettle is what he sees when he encounters Quoth, where the, you know, the young um, con artist waltzes in and whispers pretty words to the king, but instead is taking advantage of him getting clothes and and rooms and uh, money to go down and uh, spend on frivolous things in the city while at the same time making him ever more dependent on him. Ironically, that might just be what, what Codicus is up to, right? We have discussed the idea and we haven't been able to prove it conclusively one way or the other that Codicus is like a fake arcanist who has conned his way into the mayor's good graces and has been living high off the hog for the last 12 years or so. Yeah, I think it's likely that he's a real arcanist, but is amoral. Uh, most of the arcanists we've met have either been, you know, good folk like Ben or Kilvin, or they're just like, you know, academic snobs like Hem or uh, Lauren or even, um, what's his name? Ambrose. But we have yet to really meet an arcanist who is leaning into the tropes of the wizard in the tower in order to live high off the hog and like mm. not work particularly hard. I don't get the sense that Codicus is a, a particularly gifted arcanist but I believe that he has a legitimate gilder. Yeah, but again, it's possible. I admit that it's maybe less likely than what you're suggesting, but it is possible that he like took that gilder off an arcanist somehow, and he's just been wearing it to prove his bona fides. That happens during this chapter, right? When Quoth touches his gilder? Yeah, it was, was like, like a couple of page? pages ago. That happened, yeah. yeah. Okay, that excellent. Previous. I'm just thinking about my final note. Is, is there anything else we want to talk about concerning Quoth's spying? Because I have other notes on this page, but they don't relate to Codicus or Stapes. I don't have anything on spying. The sequence, Rothfuss kind of montages us past or kind of takes a high level view of us past Quoth sneaking around the gardens, you know, trying to figure out a way that he could make beat a hasty escape from the mayor's palace which seems like it would be pretty hard to do because it's way up on the cliff but the the sequence that he kind of dis, that he breezes by in passing is comedy gold and i hope that in the inevitable 13 part you know amazon prime limited series that we get to see like a slapstick like sex farce version of quoth trying to sneak around and just like constantly bumping into couples making out couples talking couples boning like it's funny it's a funny image of him just like trying to do his sneaking thing having to keep working his way all these couples snogging it's hilarious yeah and it's a great bit of uh irony prosaic irony that quoth is feeling the uh the stress 
but keeps bumping into these people who are, you know, in uh, in flangrante delicto. Mm-hmm. That is a fancy way of saying whatever it is that you just said. <laughs> Look, there's no fancier way to say anything than Latin. Are we out of tunes? Yes. I have the note. Uh, this was the end of a chapter. And this chapter's title was The Gilded Cage. I believe gilded is a selective word not just to do with the birds in the shiny cage, but also because gilded sounds like gilder and he's got a gilder. Oh, that's a good one, Jordana. Um, the gilded cage refers also to Quoth's prison. Uh, the gilded cage, of course, is an English idiom, which refers to uh, a nice prison, but a prison nonetheless, which is very much what Quoth is in. But you're right, it also points to the gilded bird cage that the birds are in, and also the gilder, the gilder cage. Maybe that's how it doesn't buzz when he touches it, Jeremy. It's in a little, it's in a little cage so that it doesn't touch his skin. It does budge, buzz when he touches it, though. He, that's how he knows. No, no. When when Codicus, Codicus puts it in a little cage next to its skin, his, uh, his so he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, buzz yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. That's, I want to I want to take this one a little further. I know it's uncharacteristic of me to find double meanings in a title, but Quoth is in a gilded cage, and that is also the situation that Denna often finds herself in when she is kind of like beholden to a man who she has become entangled with, and he's like putting her up in a nice hotel, but then she's kind of expected to wait around there until he calls for her, and that's a kind of gilded cage too, and that is the very situation that Quoth is in where he's at the beck and call of a powerful man who he needs something from and who is kind of like paying his way and that very gilded cage that Quoth is in also prevents him from seeing Denna right he can't just like hang around that neighborhood she told him she was staying in until he spots her he has to stay in his room most of the time Mm-hmm. And the gilded cage is closing in. You know, time was he just had to like be available to the mayor, but now it's like you know, if I go, it means I'm I'm gone. Probably if he does disappear at this time. Although I think he takes a walk on the next chapter, so uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit. But it seems to me that if he leaves, it, it's like sort of a, a, an admission of guilt, right? And uh, just in case anyone was unclear, the Latin phrase "in flagrante delicto" means. In the very act of wrongdoing, especially in an act of sexual misconduct. It's very fancy. We love fancy. And we'll be fancy tomorrow. That's right. On another page of the wind. wind. <laughs>